0: This podcast is brought to you by AG3D Printing, bringing your ideas into reality. You can check us out on Instagram at AG3D Printing or at our website at www.ag3d-printing.com. And if you want to help support the podcast, shop through our Amazon link on this week's episode or any week's episode or at the homepage at todayinspace.net forward slash home. Thanks. And let's start the show. Today in Space. Hello everybody and welcome back to Today in Space. It is an afternoon episode for this Monday, October 10th, 2016. How y'all doing? How's everybody? Everyone had a good week? Uh, I hope, uh, if you had this bogus holiday off, uh, congratulations. Uh, if not, um, uh, you know, don't worry. Uh, you're making money. It's all good. Um, I, uh, I luckily have today off and, um, I'm using it well, getting, being productive, getting a lot of shit done. Uh, a lot of things I needed to get done that, uh, just did not have fucking time for. So, <laughs> so we're moving on to, uh, bigger and better things. And as I promised last week, I want to talk uh add a little bit more to the interplanetary transport system that SpaceX uh released over the last was it 2 weeks now at this point. So one of the things I want to talk on is really what's what's happening right now? What are they working on right now for the interplanetary transport system? Uh and actually there's there's a good amount to talk about uh as far as Uh, SpaceX is concerned, you know, one of the things that they're talking about is that these boosters, uh, that the, the new, um, Mars boosters, they're going to be launching these into orbit. Uh, these are going to be designed to be reused up to a thousand times. Um, and the tankers, which will be going up into orbit afterwards, that will be, uh, refueling, uh, can be used up to a hundred times. So uh that's that's pretty damn good. And remember, you know, reusability is not a completely new concept. You know, the space shuttle itself was a reusable craft, you know, it wasn't just a one-off. They did bring it back and make repairs. And that's kind of the whole idea behind reusability is is you can also think of it like recyclability, you know, recycling originally when we first wanted to do recycling, you know, we thought it was going to be this You put a kilogram in you get a kilogram out um but obviously we were way wrong on that uh whatever salesman sold that pitch obviously uh was selling snake oil but it just doesn't work that way so reusability you know are we going to be able to use this rocket infinitely forever no but a thousand times decreases that cost by a lot you know, you only need to build the entire ship once and then spend time fixing and repairing and doing all that stuff. So a thousand times for these boosters and then, what is it, what do they say, a hundred times for these tankers is pretty good. I mean, you know, the tankers obviously much less requirements as far as this booster that's going to be, you know, sending us to Mars. That's, that's, that's a bit different. So there's there's a lot less that needs to go into it. So uh, the fact that we can only use it a hundred times is not that bad. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that might be the case. I'm just free balling it here. But you know, with it being a fuel tank, if you know the fuel, which is probably, I mean, it is a methane based fuel, if I'm not mistaken, but it's still corrosive. I'm sure they got to make sure that sending fuel into space is not easy. Let's put it that way. You know, you're going to be sending stuff in there, sending a giant ship filled with fuel, <laughs> exploitable fuel, into space where it heats up and everything is trying to blow it into smithereens, so or rip it apart. So a hundred times, that's not bad, and I'm sure they're not anywhere close to as expensive as the actual booster. So these are all good things. Uh, the other thing, uh, going back to more today you know, what's happening today in space as far as SpaceX and the ITS system. Uh, SpaceX is only having about 5% of their engineering workforce working on the system. Uh, So that will still be that number for the next few years because most of the engineering workforce is, you know, continually working on the Falcon 9 stuff. They're also working on the Falcon Heavy, which is supposed to, I think, fly at the end of this year or early next year. From the last time I checked, I think those dates are still correct. And the Dragon 2. So, and the Dragon 2 is the one that's going to be sending astronauts into space because that's a very big qualification that they need to get past. They need to get that thing going because they have a contract they need to meet uh, with NASA. And, you know, that's a large amount of money they can still win uh, and get. And for future contracts, if they get that done, I mean, that is a huge, huge development. So that's why they're only applying 5% of their engineering workforce. But it's one of the cool things about SpaceX is even though they're only employing about 5%, everyone in SpaceX who's in the engineering field, they are all working on multiple projects at the same time for the most part, you know. Um, they don't just wait to develop a whole new team and then hire a whole bunch of new people so that they can work on a new project. Uh, you know, these people are constantly—they are working like they are the Marines of of engineering. I mean, they're—they go in, they do their job quick and fast, and they're working on multiple things all the time. I don't—I don't think that's necessarily engi- uh, Marines, but what, what I'm trying to say is it's the most hardcore engineering experience that you're going to get. You know. You need to be on your game. You need to be tip-top shape as, as quick and efficient and, and innovative as you can be on multiple projects. And it's not an easy feat. And, you know, the space industry definitely attracts some of the most brilliant minds. And this is putting them at a – this is putting them through a pace and a just a, a rigor that most people don't ever get. To have and uh, being someone who's worked in a fast-paced environment, we are working on multiple different things all the time and trying to think. Okay, I've got two days this week that I can apply towards this project. All right, I got to make that work, and then how do I keep the other project still going? You know, that multitasking, that that every day is different and interesting and fascinating. I mean, a person like me, that's uh, sign me up. I, you know, what do what do you need me to do? (laughs) You know, so uh, although it it definitely has to fit for you if you're willing to do it. and You're willing to, uh, as I've heard Elon quoted before, work until your fucking head hurts. You know, he wants you to h- work so hard that your head hurts every day. So you go home and you've exhausted your brain. This isn't quoting him anymore. Not that I was in the first place, but he wants to go home so that your head is completely exhausted, completely used. And I think that's a, I think that's good. I think that's good for us. I mean, if there are people willing to work like that, great. And it's not like they're they're working like that and they're getting paid shit and they're not doing anything interesting. No. They're working their asses off to change human history for the better, to get to, to hopefully move humankind from being stuck on a rock in the middle of the universe in a solar system that could just toss us out at any time, just like we did the dinosaurs or make us have this extraordinary ability to be on multiple planets and to, to ensure have an insurance plan that will survive some kind of catastrophic global event that might happen. So um, are you going to work for a little bit less money and work your butt off to do that? Yeah, probably. I would. <laughs> you know? I mean, when, when what you're working towards is something huge and grand and and exciting, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. That experience is going to change your life. So, so going back to it, only 5% of the SpaceX engineering workforce is working on it right now. But uh, within two years... They should the majority of the SpaceX engineers are expected to be working on this project, according to Spaceflight Insider. And the total development costs could be about ten billion. That's with the B, ten billion dollars. So they're obviously needing to find plenty of funding to make this happen. You know, so we will see where that comes from. I'm guessing, uh, that, you know, that's a big part of what that presentation was talking about. Was how do we make this possible? Because it's clearly this is a single company doing it, not a country, not a superpower. This is a single company, so uh, they're they're finding funding through their their launch manifest when they launch satellites, when they launch um, eventually crew to the ISS, refueling and resupplying the ISS. Those are huge things that are helping them fund the next step for the mission to Mars. So uh, that's kind of what they're looking towards. And uh, according to this article, Musk has suggested that the development could be a public private partnership with funding from NASA. So, you know, they're not completely sold on just doing it themselves. If this becomes a public slash private partnership and NASA's involved or, you know, other industries decide to take place, then we're all good. They're good. Uh Another big thing that's pretty cool that you'll see in this article is they have actually already produced a full-scale development upper-stage spaceship liquid oxygen tank. I mean, this thing is huge. This is just a fuel tank and just for the upper section, okay? So... This thing is fucking huge. I mean, they, they have five people standing underneath it at the bottom. And, I mean, I could fit at least 10 to 15 of them st- standing on top of each other tall. So, that's that's 100 to, well, hold on, let's see. 5... So if everyone's about five feet, they're a little short, but let's just say they're around five feet. <laughs> That's like 50 to 75 feet, something like that. Maybe even 100 feet tall. All right. So this thing is tall and huge. Um, it looks almost, it's a little bit less as wide as it is tall. But this is a huge tank and it's made of uh, a carbon fiber composite to make it light, obviously. Um, because if you're carrying that thing in metal, forget it. You're never getting off the ground. Never mind the amount of fuel, if you could, would just be crazy. You'd never, it would never work as a rocket. So carbon fiber is obviously the way to go with that. So pretty interesting stuff. There's always something to talk about with SpaceX and their mission to Mars. So we'll cover more, more on it next week and we'll move on to uh, some more space news that's happened since our last episode. Let's do it. So this one is a little bit older, but only because there's been so much going on, I haven't been able to get to it until now. On September 30th, the Rosetta spacecraft ended its mission after 12 long years of going through the solar system and for also following uh, comet 67P for, how long was it, I believe... Well, it's been two years since it did that, so it a solid two years at the comet, and it, it Rosetta. The Rosetta mission has changed what we think of comets to be. You know, it was always this idea that they are these giant dirt balls of ice and and snowballs of dirt and et cetera, just giant balls that burn up as they pass the sun and nothing really else. We didn't have much more to go off of other than that, but after Rosetta 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 it's a different name apparently rosetta after rosetta has spent its last two years at 67p chirimov chirimov Chir- wow i'm having a hard time saying this Churyumov and jerry simenko that's it that's why i'm calling it 67p no, no disrespect to the people these were the founders of this comet who this was named after uh i'm just terrible at names apparently uh we have now rediscovered what a comet is and and what they've found are these, they've found organic material, complex organic material that are are on the comet as well as apparently these primordial chunks that have been left over from the solar system's formation, which is the same idea that OSIRIS-REx is doing right now, where it's going to... um, I forget the name of uh, the asteroid right now. Banu, the asteroid Banu. it's the same idea. It's it's going to this place and and identifying. Okay, what are these chunks? So, you know, or in, in the case of sixty-seven P, what are these chunks? In the case of Osiris Rex, what are the ingredients that are still left there from the early sa- solar system that can tell us what how what was there when we first became what we, what we started becoming? You know, what are the essentials? What are the essential ingredients? for a solar system that then promotes life because that helps us find it in the future. And, you know, if we ever get good enough or have enough power in order to do this energy, um, how would we create one ourselves? So these are really important things. And so uh, the fact that comets have this organic material is is a new a huge exploration that can now happen. You know, we've always wondered, you know, where did we come from? Well, now a comet is another way that we could have had life brought to Earth if if Earth wasn't the first place that life was created, or if we're going to find life somewhere else. How could life have gotten there? And thanks to this, these new discoveries, we can now say that comets could very well have been part of the reason life ends up in different parts of the solar system, the galaxy, and dare I say it, the universe. So uh, it just opens up the debate to uh, all the different variables and ways that life can enter and get into, uh, come into existence. And and for me, uh, you know, I'm still of the belief that the universe is a giant random generator. And to think that there's only a few different ways that life could get somewhere or life could end up somewhere is, you know, it just, it makes sense that there would be a lot of different options. So having comets as another caveat, another tool to get life elsewhere Uh, is very, very interesting. And I I love that. And Rosetta has been a fantastic mission. I remember when they were making their approach, uh, all the different things they've been doing, you know, when the Philae lander went down, bounced a few times, and then ended up being the first thing to land on a comet, um, albeit a robot. It was still the first thing. And even though they had their struggles, you know, the harpoons didn't deploy properly, and Uh, the Philae lander had its issues with power. In the end of the mission, they found Philae finally visually and had evidence that they did actually land and can now show with their telemetry data that it did get there. Uh, And not only that, Rosetta ended its mission on September 30th by doing a controlled crash down of the satellite. And part of the reason is because they were running out of power anyways with satellite and um what better way to end a mission than to crash it down sift up you know take some pictures on its way down and you know possibly get more information now right up until the final moments where it crashes down now i did belly belly flop essentially on this comet and I don't think after that they're going to do much (laughs) after that because these things are not built to, you know, to take physical strain. So I can't imagine structurally it was in any good shape after that, but it did itself well. All the systems were working still very well in Rosetta. Um, I believe it had, it definitely had some kind of material analysis on there. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it could do some once it kicked up that dust I don't know if the system survived enough to do that or anything like that. Um but it's uh it's a great end to a mission and and an end to a mission that this podcast started on. I mean, this was the first mission that I covered on Today in Space. So it's uh it's a little bit bittersweet to see it end, but uh they it's done a fantastic job checking out the comet and after it did its crash down on the head of the comet where most of this you know, uh, materials seem to be and where a lot of the, um, fumes from, you know, the comet melting and bursting the ice as it's getting closer to the sun, essentially. So that's where they ended up landing the Rosetta spacecraft. So now Rosetta and Philae are resting peacefully, uh, although the robots, I don't know if they understand peace, uh, let's hope they do, uh. <laughs> Uh, they are resting on Rosetta and they will spend the rest of their lives going through space and uh, essentially burning off with the comet as it goes in and out of the solar system and closer and farther away from the sun. So uh, it'd be wild to go back later and send another mission to see what happens. You know, does the spacecraft eventually get absorbed in by the comet because you know from the melting of the ice and stuff does it does it does it become absorbed into the surface and then iced over again you know i don't know how that would happen in space um that would be wild to see uh or you know does it just survive on the surface and then by the time it finally gets to the sun it it burns up with the rest of the comet um either way a fantastic mission by the european space agency they did a fantastic job with it and we've learned a lot from there and you can check out more i'll have the post from them uh, for the farewell to rosetta and you can check out all of that straight from their webpage. now let's start talking about blue origins people okay i mean we talk a lot about spacex but we don't talk too much about Blue Origins for a few reasons. Number one, uh, Blue Origins is very secretive with everything it does. Uh, it's a different approach to space travel. It's understandable when you're a private company uh, where you're trying to change a complete industry and for the better and doing things that have never been happening before. Uh, it's understandable that you would keep it a secret. Um, but the level at which up until this point, uh, Blue, has been sec- Blue Origins has been secretive of their nature, especially if you compare it to NASA or to SpaceX. um, It's very hard to know where they're coming from. But they have done some extraordinary things in their last five flights. And this past week, uh, they did something that no other company, uh, no superpower or country has ever done, which is launch not only a rocket for the fifth time, mind you, the same rocket for a fifth time, but they've also launched that rocket with their capsule that then was given a a, a program error on purpose to say that there's something wrong with the flight abort, and they've tested their systems where while the rocket is in flight, the abort capsule the capsule aborts. Wow, my brain is just working tremendously today. The capsule aborts from the rocket away safely and then lands with drogue chutes, you know, uh, main chutes, and then, just like the Soyuz rocket, a quick boost right before it hits the ground for a soft landing. But the rocket itself came back in for a landing. And uh, it, it's, a, it's definitely a big deal when, you know, even Jeff Bezos, the owner, said before this test that they just don't expect the rocket to come back in. They were unsure of how this abort test was going to affect the first stage rocket's descent into space. You know, I mean, you're, while a rocket is already going on, you're, ro- you're launching another set of boosters on top of that you know, aerodynamically, you you don't know what that's going to do with the rocket. You know, is it going to take it off course? Is it going to ruin its aerodynamics? Um, all that stuff, but it didn't. And the first stage rocket made it to the edge of space and then came back down, reignited and landed safely on the launch pad. So it was, it was a really tremendous day for space, private space, new space as uh, they're calling it. But Uh, just another great day for for people like me and people like you who are interested in what's going on with this new era of space. Now we've got two successful companies who are at the forefront of bringing humans into space and making getting into space cheaper and affordable and safer than it ever has been before. So a few more things uh, we can add on to this. Uh, You know, this capsule and the rocket, like we said, have, have flown together themselves five times. Didn't mention that before. But they, the capsule mm-hmm. and the rocket themselves have flown together. And that's that's a big achievement because we, we haven't seen that with SpaceX. You know, We're only going to see the first reusable launch with that rocket that was landed uh, upcoming here. And hopefully the next few months. After they get back up and running, hopefully in November. So uh but more than that with blue origins these two this rocket capsule pair have flown together five times in the in less than 11 months and each time they do it's been something you know more impressive than the last you know they've tested the reusability and the landing of these rockets they were the first rocket if i'm not mistaken to be the ones to land a rocket after it reached the edge of space uh, but not only that, you know they had uh, they were testing the limits of this this rocket but again i got to stress it 's the same rocket, and you know they 've had it launch up into the edge of space and come back and only relight the engine at about as low a level about six seconds from the ground um, thirty six hundred feet uh, to reignite so that it can come in for a landing. It did that um, they also with the capsule um, purposely ruined one of the three parachutes for landing to see what would happen if one of them doesn't work and the capsule still landed safely. And you know, this time they've done the escape test and there's a great two, two and a half minute video that covers the entire launch. Um, they had some issues. There were some delays in the beginning. Um, and it took a little bit while for the mission to start, but all that being said, It was a tremendously successful day for Blue Origins. And just to reiterate, in case you haven't heard me talk about it before, there is a big difference between the Blue Origins New Shepard rocket that they're testing now and the Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, The Blue Origins rocket is not going to be launching satellites into space. It is made specifically for bringing astronauts, human beings into space. That is the main objective of this. They are not delivering payloads. They are not you know delivering satellites to any kind of orbit. They are only focusing on sending astronauts and human beings into space where the capabilities of the Falcon 9 are are for a lot of different things. They're going to be able to send astronauts to the ISS. They're going to be able to resupply the ISS. They're going to be able to launch satellites into varying different orbits and different heights at different speeds and carry payloads that just physically the New Shepard rocket is not going to be able to do. But that does not mean that it is any less important than what SpaceX is doing. What Blue Origins is doing is skipping that whole thing altogether because Jeff Bezos has the money and the business plan, it seems like, to attack it from clearly a human safety and a human transport aspect. And at the end of the day, I don't really care. Like, if I had to choose one, I I would not care if only one of them was successful. But the great thing is that they can both be successful. And the fact that there's a little, not bad blood, but because there's a little bit of competition between the two you know two billionaires working to change the space industry this is good the fact that they're doing it the space time is great you know and i and what elon musk has done to open up the space market to the private industry has made what jeff bezos is doing even more possible and and i was reading an article earlier that was saying you know a movement cannot be done by one person and i think that's very important You know, this space race is a movement. This is a movement. This private space race is opening the door towards all these different people and companies and billionaires to innovate and create new ways and to think outside the box and do things differently. And thanks to both these people who have insane drive and insane amounts of money and vision, uh, we're getting to very incredibly fast paced and important technology boosts in the space industry that could not come at a better time and we're lucky enough to have them happening at the same time. So congratulations to blue origins, Jeff Bezos to everybody involved in that team. Uh, it was good to see their broadcast was a little bit more, uh, uh, open sourced, it was a live event where usually we've only gotten the video after the fact, which honestly, it, it, it makes it a little hard to experience it uh, like a true fan. Like it almost seems like, well, why didn't you just do a live broadcast? You know, this is 2016. Just do a live broadcast. What's the problem? Even if you fail, you did a live broadcast, you know, uh, but they're moving towards that way. Uh, They've definitely adopted what SpaceX is doing with uh, production value in regards to that timeline where it shows um, the start of the mission and as the uh, time progresses through the mission, they have little tags that say, okay, this is coming up. You know, first stage separation or capsule separation is coming up. You know, those kinds of things. That's very important for down the road for the expectations of the viewership the expectations of people watching. Um it allows people to get involved and to see what's coming and, and not be surprised or have to understand the jargon. You know, it it makes it fun to see that progression and to see what's coming up next. You know, so that's that's I think a great tool that's just gonna become a standard here moving forward. And um it was pretty cool. They had multiple cameras, one of the small box. One in in the corner, you know, and then the main screen view um, kind of felt like the old, (laughs) do you remember on the TVs, they used to have that thing where you could watch two channels at the same time, but one of the screens was really small and in the corner and had no sound. Uh, That's basically what it looked like. Uh, That was always interesting because it was always like, well, you know, you only never used it enough times for it to be something you used every day. But if, like, back in the day when you didn't have Netflix or the Internet, like, that was a big deal because there were two things on TV that you wanted to watch at the same time, before TiVo even and recording happened. If two things were on at the same time, you were screwed. Like, you know, if you're if you're watching with your dad and there's football on and you've got something else you wanted to watch, you know, how are you going to be able to do it? So you would have the, the football game on the small screen while the other team was uh, – was playing and you would flip back when something interesting happened uh but (laughs) a little off topic but what blue origins has done is really amazing and very proud of the team there and it's another company that looks like they've they've got a very fast-paced and innovative and interesting job you know if you're a young engineer and you want to be at the forefront the bleeding edge as they say of technology any of these companies is the place to go whether it's spacex whether it's blue origin um these are the places you want to be looking if you want to get into the the marines of engineering if you will so congratulations to them done a great job check out that video it'll be on this week's episode and uh godspeed to uh to everyone in this private space race doesn't matter who wins, we all win. <laughs> we all win with this race. We just got to keep running that race. That's what's most important. Okay, on this week's 3D printing update, brought to you every time by AG3D Printing. Uh, Let's talk about uh, some 3D printing products I've had in the works. Uh, You know, it's been a while since I've talked. I've been doing a lot of designing and redesigning and doing some upgrades on the printer and making sure that everything's working. Uh, One big update, I'm not sure if I shared since last time, but, uh, you know, figuring out my printer even more. You know, you get to a point where you think, and this is with every kind of learning, you get to a point where you think you've learned everything and you start getting frustrated when things aren't working quite well. Um, And it's not until either you get your ass completely handed to you or you finally just throw the gloves down and say, all right, I got to figure this out, that you really start making changes. You know, sometimes it's an ego thing. I know sometimes it is for me. Um, But... You know, sometimes it's also just not being open-minded to something new. That's very natural. It's a human thing. It's going to happen. Uh, and one of the big things is I was not letting go of the fact that my printer's calibration that's built in was... I wasn't admitting to the fact that it was just crap. You know, it's just too complicated, Would is too variable, you know it could take 2 day, it could take 2 hours or it could take an entire day and nobody has the time for that never mind if you're trying to make money with it so and run a business you know that's not good so that's when i finally was like all right i just have to spend a few hours looking online uh, It ended up taking me you know a few hours a day um, you know looking through the internet finding an answer uh, and finally the answer was simple just you know run the printer to the point where it's just about the print, it heats up, it moves to the right height that it's going to print at, and then shut it off. Literally shut it off. And then bring the head uh, on the different areas of the of the print bed, three different points, because that's all you need. Um, it's the minimum amount of points you need to make a level plane. And just make sure that there's a business card between the nozzle and the surface plate. Uh, and and th- this that's where it gets a little tricky. So the business card between the nozzle and the plate... You don't want to do it where it's like pulling or dragging, but you also don't want it to be like completely free because you want it to be that exact height of the business card. So it takes a little bit of time to figure out, but basically you're doing it so it's just not tugging, but you can still barely feel it. And so that gives you the actual height. Um, And that's important because then that first layer is going down evenly, number one, but it's also not being squished. Because if it's squished, then your next layer is crap. um, And potentially, your cooling is going to be messed up because then your part's not cooling properly and then you're going to get warpage, which is then going to bend the part upwards. So number one, you're screwing up your part. And number two, if you warp enough, then that part might come off and then your whole print is screwed. So uh, that was a big learning uh, moment for me. Um, another thing I've done an upgrade is a, I'm using a new print surface. So my ABS prints, I'm, I'm doing some really large prints. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the project in a second, but I was getting a lot of warpage and without doing a lot of work to, you know, revamp the systems. There's a whole bunch of things you could do. You could make sure that there's more heat inside your contained system. You know, that you're, you're not losing as much heat cause that's part of the reason that it's, um, Warping is basically it's cooling down at a different rate. So if you kept the heat in, it wouldn't cool down as fast and so it wouldn't warp as much. But that that can get really complicated real quickly. And there's other solutions you can do too. Uh, another thing is making sure that your um, whatever your, in my case, ABS is adhering to on your bed plate is really adhering to that ABS. Uh, I've been using blue painter's tape and glue stick for a very long time. It's been working great, but it's also getting colder outside and I have an exhaust that goes directly outside of my building. So unfortunately, that also makes it colder inside my box. So I think it's actually cooling off faster than it's usually, it it has been doing before because I've actually got a series of prints I've been doing and you can actually see the warpage getting worse. So that's where my mind went to first was okay, you know, this is an exhausted area like I have a fan and so it blows the ABS fumes out. So clearly it's getting a lot colder. So what am I going to be able to do to change that? So another big problem too is that it my plastic is sticking to the blue painter's tape. But The blue painter's tape is in strips. I don't have a full, you know, 8-inch by 8-inch blue painter's tape, you know, sheet that I'm putting down. I'm putting down, you know, layers of this pretty thick tape. I mean, it's like, what, almost 3 inches uh, thick? Uh, Wide, I should say. That would be some crazy tape. Uh, 3 inches wide. And, unfortunately, what's happening is, as the part's coming up, the glue stick is sticking the ABS to the tape... But the tape itself, because it's not stronger than the plastic, than the ABS warping up, it's ripping the tape up. And I think the heated bed is also, you know, loosening up the stickiness from the tape. So there's just a lot of things going on. And I noticed it was happening right at the edges of the tape. So clearly, I need to do something different. And uh, I actually had some tape sheets, same essential thing, painter's tape, uh, 8x8 sheets that XYZ had sent me with the printer. So I tried those, but I was still getting Warpage. It was better, but I was still getting Warpage. So um, I went on task again, scoured the internet for answers, and uh, the best answer I got was to use uh, another material uh, called PEI, which is in the uh, 3D printing world um, something that's been used recently that's uh, really changing the game as far as 3D printing's going. And it's polyetheramide, uh, Polyetherimide. Um, I just never know how to say some of these <laughs> uh, uh, plastic names. So it's essentially just a, a clear, uh, it's also called Altem, if you guys are familiar with that. But it's about as shiny as glass. You know, it's a very, very smooth surface and you can either put it on your bed with binder clips or you can get some 3M tape and it's just sits right on your bed and you don't even need glue stick and it prints almost perfectly. I mean, the ABS has stuck a lot better. I mean, I just ran a 15 and a half hour print. Um, I'm rebuilding, um, my ventilation unit. I need another fan. Um, so I'm going to do dual fans, but that print was very long. So the problem is with a print that long, you know, you've got to make sure that that surface is going to stick um, throughout that whole time. Because it's going to be cooling that whole time, arguably, as well. So I need a surface that sticks very well to ABS. PEI is very, very good stick into abs i'm not sure what the chemical reasons are the scientific reasons are but i can tell you right now it works and um it's very good it's expensive it is expensive like that one sheet of eight by eight cost me fourteen dollars on amazon which is expensive i know but I, I had some extra cash i could throw around this week and honestly with the amount of time it's going to sp- uh, save me with purchasing glue sticks with purchasing blue tape over time, it's going to be fine. and It's going to last a really long time. So it um, worked very well with my first print. I had it at 90 degrees Celsius, which is pretty average for heated bed for ABS. But there was a slight bit of warpage, just a little bit, which worked out in my favor because it made taking the part off really easy. But... Um, the next time I'm going to run it, I'm going to put it up to hundred degrees Celsius. Cause as I've read online, that seems to be the right temperature where it sticks very well, but isn't too hard to get off, which people have said online that about 110 degrees Celsius, it starts getting real sticky and it actually, you might actually start damaging that, uh, PEI surface, which is not good cause it's expensive. <laughs> so you want to keep it for as long as you can. So, um, a lot of cool stuff going on here you know a lot of good upgrades so oh going back to it so that 15 and a half hour print is a dual fan exhaust system a ventilation system for my 3d printer box because i do i 3d print essentially in my office in my room because they're the same thing um <laughs> so uh what i need to do was have two fans that are basically um uh, attached at the same time but because that part's bigger than i can build on my printer i needed to build it in two different parts and what i'm going to do is take uh some acetone and lightly put some with like a foam brush or even a paintbrush on the side that i'm going to connect the other, the two sides with and it joins together and the acetone acts basically like a glue you know you're basically molding these two surfaces together bonding them Uh, and it's supposed to work very well so i'll update you guys when i get that second part made but the first part printed well i did it in neon green Uh, you can check that out on our instagram page at ag3d printing and that that about does it for this week you know we'll talk more about 3d printing next week and you know if you have any great ideas uh, that you want to make? If you've got a, a business idea that you want to do and you want to sell it to somebody, or you want to start testing it and see if it works. Prototypes, um, gift ideas. The holidays are coming up, you know. Um, if you want to uh, get the 21st century in your own hands, get 3D printing in your own hands. This is the best way to do it. You know, you don't have to spend the the thousands of dollars it's going to take to get a 3D printer operating, and the time it's going to take you to figure out how to do 3d printing you can get it done really quickly with ag 3d printing we can help bring your ideas into reality and you can check us out at www.ag3d-printing.com or on instagram at ag3d printing all right, so that about does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. I know I've been running so quickly through this episode. I apologize. Um, I've got so much to do, and uh, I'm just so excited about all the things that are happening. And I hope you are, too. You know, I hope uh, you Americans, I hope you are not letting this election bog you down, honestly. Um, just don't. Don't. Uh, if if you feel like everything's going to shit, or you feel like the world's awful, it's not. It's just the way the media is portraying it it's just how you're interpreting it and let's be honest people are people they're going to take the side they're going to take and uh, don't don't let it bug you you know keep don't let it prevent you from working on yourself now you know um have i watched the debates no uh the most i've done is read a transcript of what's transpired uh and that actually seems a lot better so if you do want to stay uh active in your politics in america or just any any country I recommend taking yourself out of the emotional side of it where you see video and you see audio and you, you get people's own interpretation of it. And if you ever have that feeling inside your chest like, oh, my God, I hate this. Why are you saying this? Or just like, oh, my God. Like, try finding a transcript online and reading it. It honestly is a big difference for your own psyche, for your own just emotional uh sanity. (laughs) Um, you know, we are going to do a space politics episode here, uh, with my friend, John, who is a politics junkie. Um, also music and movie, uh, just junkie as well. Um, we're going to do an episode here in the future. We're going to talk more about space politics than we are about earth politics, but, uh, we have to take earth politics to then, Extrapolate to what space politics are going to be. Um, Hopefully, by that time we're talking about space politics, it will not be between two morons um, yelling at each other. Um, Although it will be very interesting what they'd be yelling about. Um, But stay positive. If you feel like it, don't don't let that bog you down. You know, if you ever feel like that, focus on what you're trying to do. Don't let it suck your life away um, and ruin your entire day. Make a list, work on it, and get it done. You know, I feel way more accomplished working on things that are are doing it for me. You know, are, are moving myself forward as a human being than listening to two idiots yell at each other. So, um, not to make it pol- political, but I want to give anyone out there who's feeling that way or is is escaping to this podcast to get away from it a choice to get away from it and to keep yourself sane through this whole bullshit because we have another month of it and uh it's gonna be crazy but if you stay on top of your own game you're better than everybody else (laughs) you're in better shape than everybody else so as always stay positive spread love spread science and go out there and do what you want to do people Um, Have a great week and we'll be back next week for another episode of Today in Space. Love y'all. See you later.